Thank you for joining us here today at Calvary Church, where we are committed to loving God and loving people. If you have any questions or want to learn more about who we are, visit us online at calvary.ca. Now let's check out this week's message. Hello and welcome to episode three of our Spirit of Truth series. My name's Brad. I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary. And Pastor Steve and Susan are actually away this week. They've been in Toronto at a conference, and they're actually ministering at a church back east today. So if you can remember them in your prayers as they minister and as they travel back home to join us, that would be much appreciated. As we continue on in this series, we are looking at the Holy Spirit. And so far, we've looked at who the Holy Spirit is that he is a person. He's our teacher. He's our guide. And we've started to look at the purpose of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit empowers us in many different ways, empowers us to live lives that are honoring to God, empowers us to live supernaturally through the use of the gifts that he bestows upon us, and empowers us to live on mission, the mission that God has entrusted the church with. Well, today we are going to continue to look at the, the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. And as we do that, we're going to take some time to look at a, a chunk of Scripture that Jesus teaches to his disciples shortly before he leaves. And in a lot of ways, Jesus is giving instructions much like how when I was a teenager— or a young adult who still lived at home, my, my parents would give some instructions before they left for a trip. Something like, make sure you feed the fish, make sure you feed the dog, do the dishes, nothing too crazy, you know, all those sorts of things. And especially when I was in high school, also, oh, and your grandma is also here if you need help with anything. Well, Jesus also refers to a helper in this passage but it's a helper in a bit of a different way. It's not just someone there to help when you need them. It's someone who's going to be right there with you all the time, who's going to equip you and empower you. And so when I read the word helper in the passage that I'm about to read, that word is referring to the Holy Spirit. So in John chapter 16, we're going to start in verse 7. Jesus says this to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because this, the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. 
So in this passage, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure and preparing his disciples for the eventual coming of the Holy Spirit. And if I could summarize everything that's being said here into one thing that the Holy Spirit is going to do, and one thing that the Holy Spirit does for us today, is that the Holy Spirit reveals or shows us the world the way it really is. The Holy Spirit shows us the world the way it really is. And we're going to look at three different ways that this passage teaches us this truth. But before we do, I want to just recap a little bit about how crazy it was that the Holy Spirit came and dwelled in the way that the Holy Spirit came and dwelt at the day of Pentecost. Now, the disciples were instructed by Jesus to wait for the Holy Spirit, and they were waiting in Jerusalem. And when the Holy Spirit descended upon them, the, the book of Acts in chapter 2 says that they flooded out into the streets. And when they went out into the streets, they were each speaking a different language. And in fact, this was a time when people from all over the Roman world, or even just the known world, even outside of the boundaries of Rome, arrived in Jerusalem to worship God at this festival. So the book of Acts even says there were, there were Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamians, Judeans, Cappadocians, people from Pontius, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome even, and Cretans and Arabs. These are all people who would speak their own native language and the apostles, the disciples, went out and started speaking in these different languages. And the people were astonished. Some of them were, were confused. Some of them were judgmental of what was going on. But Peter, he stands up and he says, But this is that what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days I, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. Now this passage that we're not going to dive into too deeply today is Peter's basically having the Holy Spirit bring to his remembrance Scripture that helps him to explain what's going on. And it is a fundamental shift between what the Holy Spirit did in the Old Testament and what the Holy Spirit started to do in the New Testament and extends to today. You see, the differences is, is, are, are quite striking. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of God, is most often associated with creation, God's interaction with the created world. But... At various times, the Holy Spirit descends upon specific individuals to accomplish specific tasks. We see this in the book of, in the book of Exodus when the people or the craftspeople who constructed the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God with Israel, were empowered by the Holy Spirit to do so. Jumping forward a little bit in the book of Judges, we see judges receive the power of the Holy Spirit to defend the people of God. Most notably is Samson, who, when he forsook his duty to protect the people of Israel, the Holy Spirit departed from him. 
And then when we jump forward into the the era of the kings, the very first king of Israel, Saul, had the Holy Spirit. And when Saul rebelled against God, the Holy Spirit departed from him. And then David is said to have had the Holy Spirit descend upon him. And then when David messed up, and saying messed up puts it lightly, he had an affair and conspired to have somebody murdered. He did some pretty terrible things. When he repented in Psalm 51, he says, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Because in the Old Testament, the way the Spirit of God worked within the people was that the Spirit of God was for certain people for certain times and could leave at a given moment when a person rebelled or the work was done. But in the New Testament, we see something completely different. In fact, Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that the Holy Spirit is our down payment, our guarantee of God's fulfilling His promise. That the Holy Spirit is not just going to up and leave. That we have the promise of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit with us as we journey with Christ into eternity. So the fundamental difference that happened at the day of Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit was no longer for elite individuals, but it was for all of God's people. And God's people did not have to worry about the Holy Spirit one day departing from them. The Spirit of God, the presence of God, would dwell with God's people wherever they went. So with this in mind, we go back to John chapter 16, where Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. And he says that the Holy Spirit is going to work in the lives of his followers. And as I've already said, the Holy Spirit is going to and does show us the world the way it really is. What do I mean by that? Well, I see three ways in this passage that the Holy Spirit, the passage in John 16, the Holy Spirit reveals God or reveals the world the way it truly is. And I want to do these in the order that they would probably normally happen for us when we come to know Christ. Number one is the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. In an essay entitled, What Did Paul Think is Wrong with God's Creation? Bruce Longnecker, essentially, to summarize him, says that Paul writes that The world is entrapped by the forces of evil. And the forces of evil are holding people captive. But the people are complicit in their own sin. In fact, the people don't even realize that they're being held captive. And they are thinking that the things they are doing for the forces of darkness are good. I think we can think how that might play out in our world. But in John chapter 16, verses 8 to 10... Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So we have here three ways that we are going to have revealed, that we have revealed to us the truth of the world as it is. One, we have the revelation of our own sinful nature, that we have a sin nature. Two, we have a revelation that there is a better way to live, to live 
for Christ to live righteously. And three, we have a revelation that the victory has already been won. The judgment over the power of sin has been achieved through Jesus. And this is revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals that I am a sinful person that needs a Savior. When we look at the world today and wonder why people think that everything they're doing is right and good, it's because they are being held captive by the forces of evil and cannot see the truth and cannot see the error of their ways because the Holy Spirit needs to reveal that to them. And I say that this is usually the order of things is the Holy Spirit reveals to us that we are sinful, that there's something wrong that needs to be fixed. The next thing this passage teaches us is that the Holy Spirit reveals Christ to us. The Holy Spirit reveals Christ to us. Reveals not just the fact that Jesus exists, but reveals the truth of who Jesus is, that he is the Savior, that he is who he said he was. In John 16, 14 to 15, it says, He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He will glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit points us to Jesus, points us to what he accomplished on the cross and through his resurrection, points us to the hope of eternity with him, doesn't just convict us of, of convict us of our sin and then leave us there going, well, I'm a sinner and I need, a, I need someone to fix this and I realize I can't fix it. The Holy Spirit then points us to the one who can fix our sin problem, the one who has the victory over the power of sin, the one who has taught us how to live righteously, namely Jesus. Reveals that Jesus is who he said he was. Reveals that Jesus is truly the way, the truth, and the life. And then no one comes to the Father except through him. So the Holy Spirit reveals to us, shows us the world, the way it really is. The world that is broken by sin, but being actively redeemed by Jesus. And that we can be redeemed by Jesus. And then finally in this passage, we see that the Holy Spirit illuminates Scripture. The Holy Spirit illuminates Scripture. John 16, verses 12 to 13 says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. And then again in John, or earlier in John 14, 26, but the Helper the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit at work in our reading of the Bible is the difference between me reading the Bible and my atheist friend reading the Bible and saying, I don't believe a word of it. The difference between me reading the Bible as the Word of God and understanding it as the Word of God and truly understanding it where I'm not talking about understanding the words, understanding the context and all that kind of stuff. I mean understanding that this is written for me to know God and for me to know how to live lives that are honoring, my life honoring to God. That is what the Holy Spirit does for us. And as I said in that second 
passage that I read, the Holy Spirit also brings to our remembrance the things that we have been taught. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're going through something, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a scripture pops into your head. That's the Holy Spirit. When those perfect moments of the scripture popping into your head is a perfect moment. I can't tell you the number of times that I've been praying for myself or for someone else, and a scripture pops into my head that I needed in that exact moment. The same thing happens sometimes when I'm preaching. The same thing happens when I'm going through a difficult time, and I don't have any answers, and all of a sudden, boom. A scripture hits, hits the front of my brain, and I remember it, and I receive the comfort and promises that are given in that passage. This is the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, illuminating Scripture, utilizing Scripture to teach us and guide us. So, so the Holy Spirit reveals to us the world as it truly is. As I've said, a world that is broken by sin, a world that is held captive by sin and needs a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus. And the Holy Spirit reveals the truth of Scripture, and the truth of Scripture teaches us more and more about the true nature of reality, the true nature of God, the true nature of creation, the true nature of humanity. As we read Scripture, we learn more and more, and the Holy Spirit illuminates more and more. But now I want to switch gears as we, as we end on a, a last point. And this jumps to a different passage, but the Holy Spirit doesn't just leave us there. The Holy Spirit reveals to us the world the way, the way it truly is, but then the Holy Spirit also builds our character. The Holy Spirit builds our character. In Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, we read this. Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So I read this whole passage, which we generally refer to as the fruit of the Spirit passage, because we often overlook the works of the flesh. And here's a couple of things that we often overlook there. This isn't the works of the devil or the works of sin. This is the works of the flesh. I don't need the devil to sin this way. But the second thing is that some of those things are very obvious to us. We can point out sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, even uh, drunkenness and orgies. We can point those out very easily. 
But sometimes we get caught up in the middle things, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries with others, dissensions and divisions, envy. Sometimes we forget that those also are works of the flesh. But we are to walk by the Spirit. And I'm going to read them again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think there's a reason why it's the work of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. The work of the flesh are things that we do. The fruit of the Spirit are things that the Spirit grows within us as we walk with the Spirit. So I want to, that leaves us with a question. How do we walk by the Spirit? We walk by the Spirit by, by first of all, seeing the world the way it really is. Not being blinded by the way the world pretends to be, but seeing it through the Spirit's eyes. Sinful, broken, but still loved by God. In fact, being redeemed by Jesus. And I'll put it this way. The way that we walk by the Spirit is kind of like this. About two years ago, I was playing basketball with, my, with some of the students at the church. And um, when I was younger, I was okay at basketball. And by okay, I mean they would say, okay, you can play with us, but try and stay out of the way. Uh, and they, we were playing, and I went up for a rebound. And I kind of jostled with another student. And I came down hard on the knife edge of my foot, rolled my ankle, searing pain, shot through my leg. And anyway, I ended up needing to be on crutches for a few days. But here's the thing. I'm stubborn, especially when it comes to injuries. I think I can do it on my own. I think I don't need to walk around with crutches. I think I can do this and it'll be fine. But what ends up happening is it takes longer for me to heal. I end up experiencing more pain than is necessary. And I just end up in a state of frustration at times. And I think we do the same thing with the Spirit. I think sometimes we think, I need to do this on my own. And when we do it on our own and we don't rely on the Spirit, lean on the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, we end up possibly hurting ourselves and frustrating ourselves. So how do we walk by the Spirit? We lean into the Spirit. We walk around as if we're on crutches, spirit crutches, that we can't get around on our own, that we need the Spirit in every aspect of our lives, not just on Sunday, not just at Bible study, but at work, at home, with my friends. I need the Spirit to lead and guide me and allow the Spirit to talk to me and speak to me, to lead me down the road of growing the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And I do that by leaning into the Spirit, by not walking around on my own, but walking around r relying on the Spirit, that I can't get around without the Spirit. And if I try, I'm going to go down a road that leads to more pain. And I want to close with this. 
the Spirit strengthens us when we are weak. So through all the things that I've talked about, through several passages that we've looked at, the Spirit reveals the world the way it really is by showing us what sin is, by showing us that Jesus has achieved the victory over sin and death, by showing us that that is who Jesus truly is, revealing Scripture, allowing us to walk in the Spirit and experience the building of our character. And when we are weak and we cannot move forward and we don't think that we can, we lean on the Spirit because the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And when we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. The Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit is in you, promised, stays with you, guides you, leads you, and shows you. And what we have to do is lean into the Spirit. And we do that through prayer, through spending time in the Word, and through trust and faith that God is truly with us. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your amazing love. We thank you that you did not leave us alone when you ascended into heaven, but that you, you sent the Holy Spirit as our helper to be with us, helping us to live lives that are honoring to you. I pray that we would not look at the world through worldly eyes, but we would look at the world through the eyes that you have given us through the Spirit, that we can see the world the way it truly is. And that when you convict us of individual sins that we have committed, that we would repent and turn and follow you. That we would always, always, always remember the truth of who you are. And that we would always remember the, 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 the goodness and glory of your word. And I pray that we would walk by the Spirit. That we would lean into you. That we wouldn't try and get around on our own. But that we would, we would move around under your power, that you would lead us in the ways of righteousness, that you would teach us and you would guide us and that you would strengthen us when we are weak. We love you so much in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for Calvary Church Online, and we'll see you next time.